This week we will be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's Word. The Word of the Lord is completely without error. The Word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the Word of the Lord is completely sufficient. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let's pray for His blessing upon it. Let's pray together. O Heavenly Father, We ask this morning that You would meet with us. That You would give us, O Lord, great joy. That we would take great joy and confidence in what You have done, both in our lives and in Your creation. Lord, meet with us and encourage us in our journey. Show us the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might believe upon Him and be changed. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. What is important to you? What is important to people who are around you? Do you know what is important to others? 
I would put it to you that one of the easiest ways to determine what is important to a person is to listen to what they talk about. To listen to what they talk about, especially in times of a pause in life or the conversation. For some of us, it is immediately obvious that college football is very, very important to us. For others of us, we see that we place great value upon our job. For some, we can tell without a moment's pause that children are the world to someone. It's what we talk about. It's what fills our hearts and what comes out of our mouths. This morning, we have a glimpse into what is important and what should be important in the life of a saint. In the life of one who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have a picture here, a story of two women, two very different women. Elizabeth and Mary. One older, one younger. But focused upon the same thing. Focused upon the Lord. And it cannot help but come out from them as they glorify the Lord and all that He has done in their lives. And so this morning, I would like us to see two aspects to their conversation. Two aspects that I would challenge you and myself that this should be part and parcel of our conversation. Not just now, not just in the Christmas season, but each and every day of our lives. And that is first, that there is a joy that fills them both. A joy in the Lord. And then secondly, we see that that joy leads to praise for the Lord. It is not just a joy that remains in them, that they are happy, that they are pleased. No, this joy builds up in them and leads to praise for who God is and what He has done. A joy in the Lord and praise for the Lord. Well, what does it mean then as we think about this to have joy in the Lord? I think oftentimes we confuse what joy should be or is. We confuse joy with happiness. Or let me make it more clear. We confuse joy with feeling good about ourselves and our situation. That's what joy is. And we can immediately tell if we should be joyful or not. We just look around and we see, is there good food in the refrigerator? Is the car working well? Is the house nice? Is our job pleasant? Are our circumstances fine? And if all of those things line up, then we say, well, now we can be joyful. But the interesting thing is, is that the Bible goes out of its way to show us Joy in the Lord in situations in which, quite frankly, if we are honest, we would be miserable. The last thing on our minds would be joy. And this shows up here in this beginning of this story in very unexpected ways. Our text begins this morning in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. To a town in Judah. Now, again, I want to ask you 
to suspend your understanding of the Christmas story. There is a picture in your mind of what Mary looks like and what Elizabeth looks like, and it's all pristine and clean and happy and joyful. The birds around them are smiling and singing. It's almost like a Disney cartoon. Everyone is happy and perfect. But that's not their life right now. Do you see that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and this is not some visit that is occasioned by some wonderful feeling of family longing. Remember, Luke is an excellent reporter. And he gives us little clues. Do you see that in those days Mary arose and she went and visited her cousin? Do you see how she went? She went in haste. This was not a stroll. This was not, you know, I've got some time to kill. I think maybe I'll go out to the country. No, this is, she's in a bit of a state of panic and shock. Remember, she's just been spoken to by an angel. That would be enough to cause the bravest of warriors to fall on their face in fear. And then this angel describes to her that she will bear the Messiah, the Savior. And then the angel tells her that this will be done while she is a virgin. You can imagine everything that is going through her heads. Now remember, how old is she? She's about 13. She's not 43. She's not 63. She's not Elizabeth's age. She hasn't seen much. This would be a complete shock to her system. She might ask herself, what do I do now? You can just imagine. Push away from the Christmas story for a moment. And imagine what life would be like as a 13-year-old unwed girl in the most conservative place you can possibly imagine, times 10, when you begin to show you are with child. Can you imagine? And you see, this is where our religion fails us. God doesn't, but our, our religion and our rules fail us. Because you see, if I can speak boldly and prophetically for a moment, this is where in Christian circles, in the church, where something like this would occur, where people begin to divorce themselves from their theology, and they say, I know I am against abortion, I know I have to stand for life, but I can't stand the embarrassment. And I have to ostracize this person. And I, I have to treat them differently. And I have to make their life as miserable as possible. But you see, the biblical thing to do here is to understand that God is at work in the mess of life. And that we don't know all of the situation. And we don't know all of the emotion. But we have to stand on biblical principles because they do not change and so, Mary goes to the one that she knows will stand by principles of life and value and forgiveness and grace and following the Lord. And where does she go? Well, she has a family member whose husband is a priest. She says, surely I'll find help and comfort there. You see, we have to understand, Mary is not some stoic rock who 
bad feelings just bounce off her. No, she's a a scared young girl and she needs help. And she goes and she travels a dangerous journey, more than a hundred miles, probably along roads that have robbers with them. She goes because she needs to find joy in the Lord and she needs help getting there right now. This is not a situation that is conducive to joy. Her circumstances are hard. And then she shows up and she begins to fellowship with Elizabeth. Now again, I think we have to suspend our false understanding of the Christmas story. I think in our minds, when I speak of Mary and Elizabeth, they look quite the same in your minds. I'm sure that Mary is much older in your mind than she is, and I'm sure Elizabeth is much younger in your mind than she is. What you have to understand is, this is a 13-year-old girl trying to find fellowship at the greatest time of need with a senior citizen. Remember, Elizabeth is old, she is barren, she is beyond childbearing years, and Mary comes to this woman for help. This very much belies our modern mentality that says, if I need help, I have to find someone in exactly the same age bracket, in the same sort of house, with the same life situation as me, and then I can speak with them. Then they'll understand me. Here, Mary, at the most difficult point in her life, goes to find help from someone who is very, very unlike her in all of the common ways of the world but who is very much like her in the ways of the Lord. Have you thought about what brings us together as the people of God? Is it the clothes that we wear? Is it the music we listen to? Is it the books that we like? No. All of those things can be as different as the colors of the rainbow. But what brings us together as the people of God is a commitment to following Jesus. To believing upon Him. And so if you are here this morning and you're looking around and wondering, well, I don't look exactly like the people over there or over here. I don't look like that guy. I don't look like that woman. I give you preacher's permission to not worry about it at all. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is is that we are bound together by the work of one who looked upon us and saw all of our black sin and guilt and misery and made Himself known to us that we might find forgiveness in His work upon the cross. This is what brings us together just like it brought Mary and Elizabeth together. They find this joy in an unexpected way, in an unexpected time. And the joy is found, first and foremost, in knowing Jesus. And Luke gives us a wonderful picture of what this is like. You could almost imagine Dr. Luke with his scroll and his inkwell, and his pen, as he sits down and speaks to Mary and says, You know, Mary, I've talked to Mark. and He's told me about John the Baptist. 
And I've spoken to Matthew, and he's described to me the lineage of, of Joseph and of yourself and of, of the covenant. But no one really has told me anything about the early days. Can you tell me what it was like when you met with Elizabeth? And we can imagine in our mind's eye Mary looking perhaps up toward the ceiling. With a wistful look in her eye, she looks back down memory lane and she says, You know, Luke, the most interesting thing happened. As soon as I walked in the door, I hadn't but said hello. And Elizabeth's baby knew that Jesus was there. Can you imagine that, Luke? Can you imagine the power of who Jesus is? That He's not even born yet. Not only is He not even born yet, Mary's not even ready for an ultrasound. You can't even see Jesus in the womb. Yes, you can't even see Him. He's not a blob of flesh. He's not a bunch of cells. He's not a fetus, an embryo, a proto-human. He is God Himself. Unable to be seen. Yet still so much in charge. That He walks into a room. Well, He comes into a room. And it's not just that Mary knows. It's not just that Elizabeth knows. It's not just that Zechariah knows and he's nodding his head. No. John leaps for joy. Now, I'm not a woman. And I've never been with child. But I have felt babies move. And moms know when babies move, don't they? They know when they turn over or when they kick or when they don't like what mom's had for supper. You know these little different things. This is not John the Baptist gave mom a little bit of an elbow. Elizabeth knows what it's like to be with child. She knows this is more than just shifting in the womb. She knows that John has recognized that Jesus is here and even as an infant, even as a baby yet to be born, the joy overwhelms him. Can you imagine that? Does that kind of joy overwhelm you today? Will you be outdone by a man who has not been born? Can an embryo, a fetus, a baby in the womb show more joy at Jesus coming than you? I hope not. For you see, we live on the other side of Jesus' work. John just knew what was to come. He knew that something was happening. And the Holy Spirit within him brings great joy. There is great joy in simply knowing that Jesus is here. Do you rest in that this morning? You know, there is a lot of white noise in our lives, isn't there? We worry about the economy, we worry about our children, we worry about our spouses, we worry about our parents, we worry about our jobs, we worry about our cars. There's so much competing for our attention. But can you simply rest in the fact that Jesus has come? That He has changed the world? That it will never be the same again because of what He has done? 
That's the kind of joy that comes in the Lord. And it doesn't just come to babies. For you see, Elizabeth, she begins to shout. Now, I want to ask you, when was the last time you heard your grandmother or your great-grandmother yell? For many of us, we've never even heard that, right? Grandmothers and great-grandmothers are people who are supposed to sit quietly, look adorable, and dispense quiet wisdom. They don't shout and yell. But Elizabeth does. That's how affected she is by Jesus. She doesn't want to lose out on any of the fun. She sees John within her, jumping for joy, and she shouts and yells. It's not exactly dignified. And she says, blessed are you among women. Oh, I can't believe you're here. Can you imagine that? And then she does something that true joy does in our lives. She says to Mary, You are blessed, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and I don't know why it has been granted to me that you and my Lord should be here. What might she have done otherwise? Well, let's see. What's Elizabeth's life been like the last few months? Well, let's see. Her husband got to do the service of a lifetime within the temple itself. And her husband saw an angel. And now her husband is mute. And now she is with child who thought she was barren. And her child is to be the forerunner of the Messiah. She's got a pretty good story to tell, doesn't she? Is it not surprising to you that she doesn't break in and say, Mary, you'll never guess what happened to me. Sit down, let me tell you. This I could talk about this for an hour and a half. Sit down. But you see, the focus isn't on her at all. It's as if none of that's even happened, as if none of that matters. And why does none of that matter? None of it matters because Jesus is here. All that she can focus on is Jesus. Because everything good that has happened to her is focused upon Jesus. The child that she is to bear is to be the forerunner and the announcer of Jesus. So she's excited that Jesus is there. The fact that her husband serves in the temple is because Jesus is coming. And that is why He serves the Lord. You see, all of her life now, she knows, has come crystal clear. And so she goes right to God and praises Him. Do you know that kind of joy? Are the first words out of your mouth, well, I... Well, let me tell you about what I did. You know what happened to me? Let me tell you about my situation. You see, that is the temptation, isn't it? To draw the focus upon ourselves. But you see, true joy in the Lord focuses all that we are and all that we can be on what the Lord has done. True joy in the Lord also comes from believing God, not just knowing Jesus, but believing what God has said. For you see, part of what is 
so exciting to Elizabeth and to John is that they are seeing all of the old become new. They are watching the world change before their very eyes. The promises of God are coming true in their presence. And everything that they knew that was familiar is going away. Now, there's something else that we need to learn from here. Because again, if we are honest with ourselves, as much as we want the things of the Lord to come about, as much as we want to see true change in our lives, as much as we want to see true change in our world, we would like to see it happen without really affecting us too much. Thank you very much. Think of what Jesus means for Elizabeth and for Mary. Their lives will never be the same. Their family will never be the same. The temple will never be the same. Their nation will never be the same. Everything is being turned upside down. And yet they rejoice in it. Because they believe God and His promises. That even though everything that they see around them may go topsy-turvy, that they are in the hands of the living God. And so Elizabeth looks at Mary and the final thing that she says is, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What an encouragement to Mary's faith. That she's done the right thing in trusting God and believing on Him. And then Mary then begins to take this joy And it explodes out of her in praise for the Lord. Now, I know the text says, and Mary said, but that is so prosaic. This is one of the the great hymns of the Christmas story. You may have heard of it. It is called the Magnificat. And that comes from the very first word that Mary says or, or shouts or sings. My soul magnifies the Lord. And Mary then begins to praise God. Now, I want you to understand here, this is a 13-year-old girl who begins a song of praise that sounds like a Bible game. You could go through here and pick out bits of Genesis, bits of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel Bits of Deuteronomy. Bits of the Psalms. One commentator puts it this way. This is the last of the Psalms and the first of the Christian hymns. Mary is drawing upon all of the knowledge of the Bible that she has to praise God. Can you praise God that way? Not if you're not studying God's Word. You see, this kind of praise gets voiced by our understanding of God's Word. This is why we teach our children God's Word. This is why we study each morning. It is so that we have language, we have vocabulary, we have thoughts with which to properly praise God. And it also allows us, the more we know our Bible, to put ourselves in proper place. And so Mary says in verse 47, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Unlike false doctrine, Mary knows her need. She knows she's not sinless. 
She knows she needs a Savior. And she praises God for being that Savior. She knows she's unworthy of anything that comes to her. And when we understand that and we see what God has brought to us, we cannot help but praise Him. We cannot help but know that if we are unworthy, the only reason we have anything is because He has provided. And look at what she says. He has done great things. He has looked upon me. He has performed works of the strength of His arm. See, Mary understands that her only hope is in what God has done for her. And she also understands that that's not even enough. Again, if I might be so bold, it is not enough for you as a follower of Jesus Christ to believe on Jesus. I don't mean for your salvation. But I mean your job's not done. You see, when you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you have known the joy that comes from Him changing you, you must bring it to others. And Mary understands this. She says... From now on, all generations will call me blessed. I can't keep this silent. This news has to go out. Others have to know from generation to generation to generation. That is our calling as the church. That is our calling as Christians. It is to take that joy, take that good news of the Gospel, and not just hold it up inside, but to let it burst forth from us in song. It's one of the reasons why this time of year is so good for evangelism. As we've mentioned before, you can go almost any place and there's a hymn being played. And you actually then have kind of public permission to break out in song of praise for God. Have you noticed that? Walk into a department store and if they're playing a Christmas carol, start to sing it. People will join in. Describe the words to others. Hum Christmas carols to others. And they'll wonder, what is it that you're humming? What are those words? These are opportunities to break forth in joy and to show what God has done for us. But God is not just our Savior and Mary's Savior. He's also Mary's sustainer. Look at how she describes Him. He is the one who is mighty, verse 49. He is the one who is holy. And He is the one who brings mercy, verse 50. Think of how different the world views the universe. If the world even has a view of God, a view of a supreme being, He's not powerful, He's weak. They complain why He can't do this, and He can't do that, and He can't protect us from this, and He won't give me that. He's not holy. He's a lot like us. Because we want God to be a reflection of us. He's not merciful. He's like us. He's a keeper of scores. He brings things up years and years and years later. But you see, Mary says, I'm not going to share the world's view of God. I'm going to share the Bible's view of God. He sustains me because of who He is. And that reaches down to Mary and to you and to me as we trust Him. He is our Savior. He is our Sustainer. 
And the last thing that we see here is that He is also our Sovereign, our King. Look with me at verse 51. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of the humble estate. Jesus is about more than an individual relationship with each and every one of us. That is a part of His grand plan. You see, Jesus is not satisfied simply to change you, or you, or you. Jesus is changing all of the universe. He is turning the world upside down. He is taking the proud and showing them the vanity of their pride. He is showing kingdoms and nations that they cannot stand before Him. In their pride, nations think that they are God. And history is littered with the ends of empires. And someday, perhaps, that will come to ours as well. But there is no end to King Jesus. He takes the proud and He shows them the folly of their way. He takes the humble and He builds them up. He does this in the kingdoms and nations and He does it in churches as well. He shows us that we cannot be proud of what we have done or what we know or who we are. That all of our hope and joy has to be in Christ. And so the question comes to you today. What will you speak of? Where will your praise be found? Will it be found in your King? The One who is your Savior? The One who sustains you? For you see, if you find true meaning in Jesus, you too will leap for joy. You too will rejoice and praise and your soul will magnify the Lord. This is the true meaning of the coming of Jesus. An opportunity that we have to praise the Lord for all that He has done. Let's pray.